tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed, and a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to tinfoil hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. It will be podcasted. Oh, yeah. We're back in the saddle, uh, back in sunny Los Angeles, here to rock and roll. Joining me, as always, my good friend, my partner in crime, the one and only XG, Xavier Guerrero, everybody. What's up, my dude? Uh, we don't have uh, Aaron with us today. He's obviously somewhere making love to his wife <laughs> while eating stuffed crust pizza. So uh, joining us on the ones and two, Emma, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Always a pleasure to talk to you. Guys, I want to thank everybody who came out. No matter how many of you were, came out to uh, Santa Cruz at DNA's. We packed the house out, regardless of what people say. It was <laughs> packed. Second show was packed to the gills. First show was awesome. And uh, it was amazing to see. Beautiful city. Be- I-, I don't know why anybody lives anywhere else. You guys got to go to Santa Cruz and go, oh, this is living. Fucking weed everywhere. Weed. Everybody's good looking. Money. Barely any Women Mexicans. Women going around with their dads jumping while their boobs bounce. It was like crazy. It was the best time ever. So that was uh, that was Santa Cruz. We packed that out again. And uh, hopefully we'll be back maybe somewhere else. But we will be back. And uh, we're coming. We got some shows coming. We're going back to North Cal. Uh, Sacramento is August 2nd. We are at Harlow's. That is a what time o'clock show? That one's at 7.30. 7.30 show. So grab your tickets to that. Myself, XG, me. Tiger's going to join us. And uh, if that first show sells out, we will do a second show. So grab your tickets now. All the shows have been packing out. All the shows. So grab your tickets before they sell out. Next one is August 9th. We are in Indianapolis. We're at Helium's. Myself, XG. We got Eddie Bravo. And joining us from the Conspiracy Farm is our good friend, the one, the only Jeffrey Wilson. And then the next day, we're doing a 420 show. Super excited about that. We're going to St. Louis. I love St. Louis, man. St. Louis is one of my favorite cities to gig in. Uh, we're going to be at the Healings there. That's on August 10th. That is a 10. Uh, that's a 420 show. He's walking off. He's walking off. He's quit the show. I knew I'd break him, and I broke him. It's now a solo show, everybody. And then Bakersfield might be happening. We're working on negotiations, but I want to put that out right now. Bakersfield, the Shady Crew's coming. Lost Boys, that's right. We're bringing meth. We're building, bringing children of the corn. We're going to get weird in Bakersfield, okay? Bakersfield, number one home of adult film stars, everybody, <laughs> and the band Corn. okay? So come out and rock with, out, rock with us at Brooklyn Barbecue. Yes, I'm playing a barbecue place. <laughs> That's where my career's at at 25 years. <laughs> I'm so excited. I just played an arcade where I walk through and people are like, where are you going? I'm like, find the bathroom. Why are you by yourself in an arcade being a 45-year-old man? Emma, I'm only 30. Anyways, the point is this. <laughs> come out to Bakersfield. Come get weird. And then it's, I don't know why the tickets aren't up yet, but Cobbs, we are doing on September 13th. So come and rock out. I promise you, we shall bring the pain for you and the children. Because you know what Tinfoil Hat's for? It's for the people. And we just went black. Is that anything? And we're back. Bam. Okay, next up is the Patreon is rocking, everybody. You're, everyone's always like, oh, the shows are too short. The shows are too short. Guys, I'm putting two to three hours of original content on the Patreon. I'm doing phone interviews. I'm doing conspiracies nows. I'm doing just, I'm interviewing everybody. I'm doing Q&As. That's all on the Patreon. 
$5 makes you holler. You get basically 12 hours of podcasting, of just conspiracy bukkake. That's what's going on there. You get the good shit. You get Epstein shit. You get everything you miss here. You get every. We go hard in hard. the Patreon, dude. And then the t-shirts. Everybody's asked about the t-shirts. A lot of you guys are going to tinfoilhatpod.com. That works. Or you can just go to t- tinfoilhattshirts.com. All of them are up. Lost Boys are about to get up. What's the last one up? The, uh, uh, we go, we go deep. deep. They're all there. Great way to uh, support the show. And we now got the nice thin shirts for all you kids, okay? Come get weird, dude. Uh, today's show is brought to you by our good friends at BetDSI. BetDSI, use the promo code HAT100, okay? And this is what you do. Every time you deposit some money up there, up to $500, they will match it. They're going to match it. That's how nice they are, okay? Boom. Now, a lot of people want to pull that money right out. That's just called bad business, show. <laughs> that is bad business. So we got baseball. We got football starting up. Raiders are winning it all, everybody, okay? <laughs> then we got NBA is going to kill it with the Clippers. Then we got women's soccer for all 12 that's, of you that that's, still that's enjoy gone. that. That's over. No, they just started a new league. A whole new league? Yeah, my favorite part of watching women's sports is how they never do a straight-on shot. So you can see the whole stands. It's always a POV from the top. So you can you only get to see about three three rows full. Okay. That's my favorite yeah, thing. That's the way. UFC. Boxing is great. Pacquiao's back. You name it. All of it. And we're still working on those conspiracy bets, everybody. And uh, this, uh, actually tomorrow night, there is Comedy Chaos brought to you by our good friends at Absolute Extract. You go to Absolute Extract. Uh, they don't even want a promo code. They just want you to go check out the website because that's how good they are. They are young Christian warriors. They got everything in weed. We got vape pens. We were giving women stuff for their vajayjays. Trinchets, uh, fucking drinks, drinks, DVD water. Right? You name it, they got it. I put a couple vape pens in my, my uh, suitcase. We flew with and it. And they stole it. The uh, TSA stole it. For real? Like so, someone in the airport stole all the vape pens. Assholes. These assholes. This is your America, America. Where young Christian warriors just want to get their friends and families high on vape pens and the <laughs> government stealing our vape pens. God damn it. Go to, go to Absolute Extract. Go to abx.org. They got everything. Tell you Tim Foyle Hat sent you. And uh, come get weird. If you're in town, you're in Hollywood, come hang out. It's a good lineup. But, yeah, it's a killer. It's two shows. One at 8, one at 1030. The lineups are straight murder, okay? And that's brought to you by our good friends at Absolute Extract. The Nike, the Reebok, the... the uh, uh, the Chipotle, okay, of weed, everybody. If you love Chipotle, you'll love ABX, dog. And that's enough of me talking, pushing product. I can't wait to hear the comment section on that part, even though I crush that. You're crushing it all the time lately. Yeah, I do. Do you got something for me, by the way? Oh, yeah, I completely forgot. These oh, tracksuits. Who, who sent you My homies are from uh, LRG, Lifted Research Group. Yeah. They love the show and... They saw that you wear tracksuits, and they just came out with these new tracksuits. And uh, my homie Victor handed them to me for you. I will wear them. Listen, we're so nice. We got Emma one, okay? Because I only think women who like black men should wear uh, leopard skin. That's my theory. (laughs) I agree. Whenever I see a chick with leopard skin, I go, somebody likes cocaine and black dick. That's what I see. (laughs) Uh, This is our poor guest. is like, what show am I on right Right. now? Uh, (laughs) Right. Joining us, today's a very special show. Uh, everybody here is in on it. We're very excited to talk about it. Today we're going to talk guns, everybody. Today we're going to talk some guns. We're going to talk real numbers, real stats, okay? We're not going to go and get everybody going crazy. We're going to talk about what is really going on in this country. Uh, he's got a wonderful blog called the hand-waving freak outcry. Please welcome BJ Camp... Uh, Oh my God, Camp! <laughs> what? What? How do you say your last name? God damn it! It's BJ Campbell. Yeah, why did I fuck that up? <laughs> Please welcome BJ Campbell. How are you, BJ? I can't believe I'm you. doing pretty good. Hey, dude, tell us yeah, a little about, about gonna, your gonna blog. It's going to be a departure because there's no conspiracies in this show. Yeah, not today. Yeah, yeah are you are numbers. you uh, a conspiracy theorist or not? Um, I would say no, but I like conspiracy theorists. You, oh, um, so you're like fr- you're you're conspiracy adjacent? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm conspiracy friendly. You know, I, maybe I'm conspiracy curious or something like that. Um, I think that conspiracy theorists a lot of times, I think they have a good 
ability to kind of see through the veil yeah and to see things that are wrong um i think that sometimes though they're too quick to attribute that to secret societies when it could just be the systems are broken that they don't understand well that's a good point and um you know what I mean? Does that, does that make sense? Well, we were kind and, of talking I mean, about that. That's kind of where I look. I'm like, where's the system broken? And maybe I can find the brokenness and, I don't know, write about it or something. You know? Yeah, you know, you see a lot of stuff when it comes out about conspiracies. Everyone's, oh, this is just a shift focus from this. And sometimes it's just good storytelling. Sometimes it's just good reporting. But there are definitely secret cabals well, that are up to no good. That, I mean, we're going through this with the sure, Jeffrey sure. Epstein stuff right now where Mossad has basically been blackmailing everybody here, and I guess they're doing it in China, too. They're blackmailing, like, everybody, getting them doing weird shit sexually. That's why I'm pretty honest with all the weird shit I'm into, and I'm into weird shit, you know? <laughs> so I like to be honest about it so that, you know, they don't come later on, and, I, I you know, some dude in trench coats, like, we got pictures of you doing weird shit. And I'm like, well, I talked about that on my third album, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I try to get that out. Um, but guns are very yeah, I mean, the- the, the the funny thing about conspiracies is, you know, it's like, you know, some of them are true, right? Yeah. And then the question is, like, which ones, you know? Well, you know, there's um, going to be stuff like space and, or, 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 like, flat earth. We could go on forever about what what is right, what's not right. That's not this episode. But, I mean, like, 9-11, the Gulf of Tonkin, Russia Gate, weapons of mass destruction. Fast and the Furious, JFK, talking about guns. Fast and Furious. I mean, like, these are things where there were conspiracies, you know, um, the crack epidemic uh, of the 80s where, you know, the Iran-Contra affair, you know, these are things that were, quote-unquote, conspiracies that were later on 100% proven true, you know. So sure. they're definitely all there. It's just, it's not so much conspiracy. That's a term that is used was used by the CIA to discredit uh, people seeking the truth. It's more about unre- unreported news. And in a weird way, that's what's going on with this discussion because what you're going to present to us versus what the mainstream media presents and why they're presenting that could actually be the conspiracy that we're looking for. You know, I love how you framed that. That's fabulous. I'll dude, buy that. I got, I dude, I, I, I'll take a beating well in, 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 in the comment section if I don't clean that up real quick. <laughs> um, first of all, tell us about your, uh, tell us about your block. So, um, I mean, I, I kind of fell down a rabbit hole, I guess, maybe towards the end of 2017. Um, everybody's arguing on Facebook, right? This is like the national hobby nowadays is to argue on Facebook. And I kept seeing so many things in the media over and over. They were either just objectively wrong or completely misrepresenting the facts. And, every, you know, I got a lot of liberal friends and they were building their opinions around that. And, it, you know, you in the everyone argues on Facebook game, you feel obligated to correct them right this is how the thing works that's how they get you and so my posts kept getting longer so i started saving them and then i turned them into facebook notes and people wanted me to share them and i was like then they're going to be tied in my personal profile i don't want that so i stuck one up on medium and um and it went viral and i think it's got like a third of a million hits right now and um just the first one and then so i started writing some more and um Later on, I pivoted away from guns and I started talking about culture war stuff and um, and other kind of things like that, you know, some futurism kind of things. But uh, I always go back to the well because that's what gets you the clicks. And that's the thing that the media keeps just completely getting wrong over and over. Or they they misconstrue it and it feels like they're misconstruing it on purpose. It feels obvious. There's when almost you look a down conspiracy. At the numbers, right? um, what I believe is that there's a 100% push to demonize the uh, guns, uh, gun owners, the dangers of guns. Uh, they want you to believe that there's a, uh, on every corner there is a gun. Now, there are parts of this country where there are a lot of guns. Like, we'll talk like certain parts of Chicago. And then we could get into discussion like, how does that area get so many guns and then you hear stories about people who just find vans that are just full of guns like why is this van just here with all these guns that's that's the discussion we could get into that um you know when we uh i don't know if you've ever followed uh you know the the author uh bill cooper who wrote behold the pale horse but in there he talks about how they that there is going to be a series of school shootings uh, this was written early 90s, 
before Columbine, before everything, and uh, about how there was going to be a series of school shootings, and this was going to be an attempt to uh, conf- take away our rights to guns. They hit people where it emotionally hurts the most, so they'll just turn it over. When you see things like this, when you see these mass shootings that all of a sudden the entire... Uh, every media outlet just happens to have a van a block away that can cover it, and then there's eight guys in suits and makeup ready to talk just like that. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, um, the first thing you got to understand about mass shootings is they're just fabulously rare, um, and even statistically speaking, like they just uh, it's. I'm trying to think of a good example. So, like, if you were to let's say you had a job and your job was. You know, you die and you go to heaven and your job is to hand people a beer when they walk into heaven, right? And you hand them a different kind of beer depending on what kind of, how they died, right? Um, if you're going to hand somebody uh, a, it, if you're going to hand somebody a past blue ribbon for if they shot themselves in the head with a gun and you're going to hand them, you know, uh, a Coors if they were murdered by a gun, you'd have like, I don't know, 12 people a day getting a Pabst and maybe like four getting a Coors. And if you're going to hand an IPA out to everybody who died in a mass shooting, then statistically speaking, you'd probably be handing one of those out, you and your friends who all got to get it distributed, like once every 60 years. That's a very if, if interesting you were, If that was your job, you know. So you, the, the numbers are really skewed to the point where these very, very, very tiny events are being blown up in the media. And the reason they're being blown up in the media is because there it gets the clicks. It's the the goal of the media now is not to convey the truth about anything. It's to try and drive traffic. And the traffic motive is what's causing them to do this. You don't think uh, there's a uh, a dark a dark move to try to uh, maybe uh, legislate gun uh, legislation, gun control? I think that even if they didn't have that mood, maybe they do. Even if they didn't, they'd still be forced to do what they're doing. Because if they didn't do it, then somebody else would. And they'd lose market share to that other group, other media organization that was doing it, right? And so you end up sort of a Nash equilibrium in game theory where you have a deal where everybody has to be peddling whatever they can to be able to get a click. Because if they don't, somebody else will. And so this is goes back to the systems thing earlier. There, I'm sure there are biased people in the blue media and I'm sure the red media has different biases but even if they didn't have biases we'd still end up with something that we look that looks like what we'd see today because of the financial incentives built into the system because we've moved away from a watching TV and into a farming clicks for cash uh, economy for our media and that's I think probably the root of a lot of it I mean like you talk about the everybody talks about the gun homicide I'm a I saw something in Newsweek today. I dropped an article earlier today about it. Um, and they've got, you know, they open it up with this YouTube video talking about the gun homicide epidemic in America, and there's not one. Yeah. It doesn't exist. There's it doesn't not exist. One. We are right now, if you did a five year running average of overall homicide rate in the United States, we're under five, like continually for the last decade. And the only other time in our history when we've had anything that low is like in the middle 1950s. So and nobody knows it. Nobody knows it. Well, you know, I, 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 you know, in studying for this, I do a couple jokes about this. But it's like if you actually look at the numbers of people in a country that has 360 million people, the amount of people who died in a homicide, I mean, in a mass shooting, and each lo- each life loss is tragic, but the actual number of people who died in mass shootings, which they made you feel had was going on every other day. It's it's roughly around like three hundred and like seventy eight. Now compare that to the to who they want to give the guns to, which are police officers. Nine hundred ninety two people died from gunfire by cops. And then I do joke is that compare that to on average in this country, a thousand people die from auto Iraq asphyxiation every year. We have I didn't a know that. yeah. We have a we don't have a gun problem. We have a jerking off with a belt problem. And the point <laughs> is, get a spotter. That's what I'm saying. Get a spotter. So so let's put put that in frame. So I was just again, I was looking at this Newsweek article that was about domestic 
homicides, right? So domestic homicide is, you know, a husband or a wife gets mad, they have an argument, one of them shoots the other one. Um, the numbers on that are about 2,000 a year. And that's, so that's only twice as many as die from autoerotic asphyxiation. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's that. I, that's a great compare. I might I might go back to that. Well, actually, yeah, that's great for sure. I'm going to reference you. Please do, please do. Uh, can you still hear me? I can hear you. You can hear yeah. me, okay? Because yeah, I, can I can't fine. hear anybody. Um, here, let's switch. Let's switch for two seconds. So, um, so why don't you talk to me about the relationship between gun owners and gun homicide? And the rate is basically flat. Can you go a little bit more into that? Sure. So, um, the first thing I the first article really was about um, I was getting frustrated that you have a lot of articles that come out in Vox and Mother Jones and stuff like that. And then they plot a scatter diagram of all the, you know, uh, all the states versus gun ownership rate. And they talk about how gun homicide is related to gun ownership rate. But then they, um, then when you look at the, if you go and plot homicide versus, uh, ownership rate there's no correlation whatsoever like it just looks like you shot a piece of graph paper with number eight birdshot it's just a bunch of holes and when you try and draw a line to it the line doesn't work so but it didn't look like any of the graphs that they had so i'm like well what are they doing and you know the first trick that you learn is that they hide suicides and accidents in the graph right so you can't have a gun accident without a gun and you can't have a gun suicide without a gun but further there is some correlation between gun ownership and gun suicide rate. And there is further correlation between gun ownership and overall suicide rate. But this is curious. Only in men, not in women. Like if you take a, if you look at the statistics and you say, well, you know, 10% less women have guns in their houses, the suicide rate doesn't change because they just find a different way to, to commit suicide, right? There's a replacement factor there. But men, when you reduce, say, gun ownership by 10%, their overall suicide rate does drop some. And that's the most important thing that I discovered out of like, I don't know, six, seven, however many articles I've written, is that, because remember, this is the thing, they talk about 30, somewhere between 30 to 35, 37,000 gun deaths a year. They brewed up this new term, gun deaths, so that they can include the suicides and accidents, so that they could get their trend line to trend, yep. right? And what that... uh but if you unpack the if you unpack the the you know the gun deaths, two thirds of them are suicides, two and seven eighths of, of those deaths. are men. So the gun death problem is a men's health problem. But nobody knows that the gun death problem is a men's health problem because it doesn't play in eco doesn't get you clicks like I was talking about earlier. It doesn't play in the blue media because it doesn't feed into the male privilege narrative. But it doesn't play in the red media either because like you know. Um, men aren't going to go and share that article because they don't want to look like pussies, right? So nobody shares that article, which means nobody talks about that, and that's the most fundamentally important fact of the whole thing. Yeah. What did we learn today, uh, yesterday, Sam? What? That people would be killing themselves in shooting ranges. Oh, yeah, we've learned that. Our uh, you know, a good friend of ours is uh, Eddie Bravo, and he was telling us that you know a lot, a lot of people kill themselves in gun ranges, that they go to hmm. gun ranges because there's a gun there, and uh, they don't have to buy one or nothing. They just kind of rent it out and just then bang. they don't have to clean up either. Yep. I mean, there's the cleanup right there. But that's a great point. It's like that is the deceit that is the mainstream media. This push to say, hey, man, we, we have too many guns. Guns are getting in the crazy people's hands. And, you know, this again fits into, you know, your narrative about this is a mental health issue. We've heard Joe Rogan say that before, that we don't have a gun problem. We have a mental health issue. Is that how many of these guys that supposedly go on these spree shootings uh, are on uh, antidepressants? have been in like some weird form of therapy too. You see this a lot. They're in like some kind of like these weird, like super aggressive youth program, uh, 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 mental health programs. And they it just something snaps. Now, you know, we'll get into mass shootings. We could talk about how there's... Pull it up. But how stupid is it that you can be on a, a mental pill and shit, but you can't buy, you can't have weed and by guns. Yeah, on California, a federal yeah, level. You just can't. Well, because you know who owns the who owns the country, yeah. the big pharmaceuticals. 
So, you it's know, stupid. they've they've made it so you can't because that's a I mean, if it wasn't so evil, it's super brilliant to be like, oh, we'll give them weed. But then we're going to make them give up their guns, which is hilarious because nothing's ever been made illegal that stopped like most most of your laws that you need to have are like stopping violence in terms of like murder, rape, uh, domestic violence, hurting children. Those are real laws and stealing. But like. Smoking weed? Did anyone ever stop smoking weed because it was illegal? Very few people. Yep. Right? You just move somewhere. I've heard people say, oh, I had to move states. You don't think you go somewhere where you can't own a gun that people own guns? They all own guns. It's just like... Talk about the, uh, the, the filling that out. You have to, when you buy a gun, you got to fill out a form that says you never... Says you never smoked weed, among other things, right? There's a lot of things on the form. Ever? You got check check a box. Says you never smoked weed, and um, one of the things that this actually boiled almost into a confiscation trick in Hawaii, but they had to back away because of the outrage behind it. They looked at medical uh, marijuana rolls and they cross-referenced them against the NCIS uh, background check database for people who'd bought guns, and then they had a list. And they went around and started trying to take their guns away. And everybody freaked out about it. And there was a big outrage. And so they stopped. But they technically have that ability. I guess every state has that ability if they were willing to, you know, roll those dice. And, um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, that's, that's based the on what big happened loophole. Hawaii, I don't think it's going to happen anywhere else. But the, the possibility is there, right? For I mean, sure. The legal infrastructure is there for it. So For sure. They're now trying to make it so, like, if you want to... Uh, a weed license, you can't own a gun. And that's why they're not legalizing it on a federal level. That is probably the biggest reason. So they, they can confiscate guns. And like people think I'm crazy when I say that, but it's 100% true. What do they say about America? If you attacked America, you'd have to go house to house. House to house. Because everybody's got a gun here. How do you think the U.S. government feels about that? <laughs> You know, when they look at Russia, and we'll get into Russia and China and what happened when they took guns, but, that, you know, their populations have no guns. You don't well, think the so U.S. Check, you want to talk about numbers? Here's an interesting number that I fell into reading a, um, a blog a while back, uh, um, kind of a war blog. They're talking about Syria, right? So, you know, Syria, they've had, what, 10 million people displaced in Europe, half a million dead. And if you look at the ratios, only 1% of the people in Syria are active combatants. Everybody else is a civilian, somebody stuck in a crossfire, like 1%, right? And gun ownership in the United States is what, 30%, maybe more? So, um, you know, do that math. If you only had, let's say something crazy were to happen here and everybody with a gun decided to start shooting, let's say, for example, or not even say that, let's say 10% of them decided to start shooting that would still be triple the total number of combatants per capita in all of syria yeah right I mean, like, well, so you know i think a lot of people don't realize the the numbers there right you know there's there's no way that anybody's ever going to take any of the guns back and this is a hot here's a hot take that like a lot of second amendment hot takes like saying but check this out i'm not sure the second amendment matters anymore because the guns are already out there and they're not going anywhere. It's almost a formality. It's like an it's a good legal barrier. But even if they were to, you know, what, let's say that you're going to um, get Congress to to pass an amendment to to get rid of the Second Amendment, you got to get two thirds of the states to ratify it. Let's say they were somehow able to do that. Then what? You're going to go get them, you know. And where are they going to start? They're going to start with, uh, you know, cops and MRAP tanks in Ferguson, Missouri. And that's not going to go well. That's well, certainly not going to be the outcome that, like, you know, the blue tribe, you know, the liberal side of it is wanting, right? It is very interesting. And, and, and I, I think that, you know, I don't, I think that at least some, a lot of the black folks that I've talked to that are gun owners are especially worried about that kind of thing because they kind of know whose guns are going to come for first, right? You know, that's, there's some, and the history of gun control too is, tremendously racist but you know you can google that yeah i mean like oh my god an institutional racism thing within the government it happens all the time that, there was that running jokey like you know the country would flip out if every black citizen went and registered for a gun 
they would flip out. But I think they should own guns. I mean, like, look at what we're doing here. I mean, like, for the longest time, the media was like, can you believe these white cops are shooting these unarmed black men? And then within six months, they flipped it going, you know, uh, uh, give up your guns. It's too violent. And then, see, here's the thing about most places that where the population doesn't have guns. The police don't have guns either. Mm-hmm. Right. They don't. Right. That That is never being suggested in the United States. <laughs> Nobody's like, listen, you give up your guns, we'll give up our guns. Nobody ever says that. And if you look what happened to uh, North Dakota and that those tribes protesting the, 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 the pipelines, they came in militarized police. Mm-hmm. Our, our military has such a huge budget. They have, over, they have too much stuff that's trickling down to our local police station. So you have these giant SWAT teams coming with like wartime machines and weapons and vehicles to go kick in the door because grandma didn't pay her parking ticket. So here's a curious thing about the MRAPs, the the um the armored vehicles. They I can't remember exactly when the law was passed, but the law was structured so that it said, Oh, we got all these extras, why don't we give some to the cops? Maybe some cops need them. And then somebody stepped in and said, Well, wait a minute, what if we give these out to the cops and they don't need them? And they put in a uh, kind of a secondary portion of the law that says, Well, if the cops don't turns out the cops aren't using them, we'll take them back. So now what police uh are doing is that they have to use it like once a year or once every two years or whatever the threshold is to be able to justify still having it. So it creates an artificial incentive for them to wheel that thing out and drive it around on a call at some point. You know, somebody, oh, it's, you know, I, I like to read there. I don't like to read it, but, you know, I see things in the news that are like, you know, some guy was suicidal, you know, so what do they do? The cops showed up in a tank. Yeah. Well, you know, that th- at that point, if you are going to be talked down, well, you can't can't be talked down now. You know, it's like now you got to do it. Now they called your bluff, right? You know, so um, they finally raid the house three hours later. Dude shot himself in the basement like an hour and a half beforehand or something. You know, and and it's just like these guys aren't trained in any kind of like psychology of war. These cops, they're not trained in how to use these. It's it's like they're using like. You know, everyday police officer mentality with these wartime weapons. Well, talking about, I think tra- there are some police that go through pretty good training on them. Um, oh, I mean, yeah, but Israel's I don't, training. But cops. I don't necessarily know that that matters because I don't know that we need them for anything, right? You know, I mean, I don't think they serve a, an actual purpose. If the, any, there was ever an event that we needed something like that, we could probably call the National Guard. You know. They, we managed to survive for, you know, however many hundreds of years without cops with tanks. You know, currently, it's, I, I, don't, I don't see the point. It doesn't make any sense to me. You know, but. Now, are, are, are there places that don't have guns that obviously still have homicides? I think people think if guns go away, homicides go away. And I, yeah, in England, they're using knives now. Like yeah, in they're subways. using knives. I mean, the cops don't even have guns. It's just like... And then when someone does have a gun, what the fuck do cops do? Yeah. What if you do get a hold of a gun? Like, let's just say you do get a hold of a gun, and you go attack something. They got to wait and call Air Force One or some fucking military thing to come to do it. Hey, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, right? I mean, like, dude, one dude with a gun in a village is running everything. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, that's there's a um, there's an argument to be made and I've seen it made a lot and I typically don't bother to make it. But there's an argument to be made that the violent crime rate in England is higher because it's safer to commit violent crime. Because if you're a big dude walking down the street, you know, you can beat up that scrawny little lady and take her purse. Right. It's like easier for you now in the United States. It's more difficult because she might have a gun in it or somebody else walking down the street might. And that's. um. That's an argument that I think is made a lot. But again, I don't ever really bother making it because I'll just default to the fact that you can't get the guns back. We have too many guns here. Um, you know, uh, going back to the original point about like, you know, there's no real bivariate relationship between gun ownership and gun homicide. Um, there's been some good studies that went down and was were able to pull, peel apart all the layers. There's like 10, 20 different things that might influence the total homicide rate, right? Gun ownership is a small one in that. And what they found, um, the two biggest ones were um, 
Gini coefficient, which is wealth inequality, and that makes sense because if you got more poor people, more rich people, the poor people more steal the rich people's stuff, you have more envy, this kind of thing. And then um, the other one was, and you know, it sucks to say it, but it was black population ratio. Um, and uh, and each of those was something like five times more predictive than gun ownership rate at a multivariate level. You wouldn't see this in a scatter plot like they put up on Mother Jones, but you could see it deep in the statistics. But the problem was that was for every, I think the, let me see if I can remember exactly. It was for every 1% change in gun ownership rate, they saw a 0.9% change in the firearm homicide rate. But remember, that's a change in a rate. That's a uh, less what than a percent change Break in that a rate down. that's already low, and so you you'd have to collect a huge amount of guns to move that rate anything noticeable. And um and I'd always ask, okay, how many guns are we going to buy back, and how many people are going to save from the guns they buy back? Nobody ever told me this, and I've never seen a study, so I did it, put it up on online, and I was like, all right, so it's seven hundred fifty dollars a gun. You'd have to buy eighty million dollars worth of guns back to save one homicide. And that's really? like more than the budget of a ma- annual budget of a major metropolis. You think we could maybe pay more cops or you think we could do something good? Income inequality or wealth inequality or do something <laughs> else, you know, uh, pay everybody to have a better neighborhood watch. There's a lot of things you can do with $80 million instead of buying $80 million worth of guns back and saving one dude. Like it doesn't work. The math on buybacks just does not work and they, they won't let it go. And um, and then that, that's presuming that people will even sell the guns back. Like you look at what's going on in New Zealand right now. They passed their law. They said, all right, everybody, we're going to – and everybody pray uh, in the United States praise the law. And I think they've collected – I think I read recently they've collected like 200 guns. 200 like, what are they going to do now? You know? So I don't know. It's It doesn't matter. The, the guns are here. We have to learn how to live with them. That's it. I you mean know? we see in our, our media right now this uh, – you know, gun violence at us has, I mean, just everything is gun violence. And, you know, I, I went and entertained the troops, I'd say about 10 years ago. I was asked to go with Steve Byrne, Brian Callen, Dub Davidoff. And the gentleman who was uh, taking us around said something very interesting. And he goes, you know, in World War One, they found that, that, that the U.S. troops wouldn't pull the trigger. They couldn't pull the trigger and kill somebody. It just wasn't in their DNA to do it. They just, it wasn't in their nature. So what the U.S. government decided to do was to uh, start featuring people shooting people with guns in movies. And this would be sort of a monkey see, monkey do type thing. So you see people do in the movies. Now, all of a sudden, like, you're more likely to pull the trigger and shoot somebody because you've seen it happen. And it's, it's not shocking to you. Now let's fast forward. Video games. To video, not only video, I mean, like, let's just start with the gangster, you know, the rap, the, 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 uh, crime rhymes of the, uh, late, uh, of the late eighties, nineties. Or before that, the cocaine Scarface movie. How many people did coke after that movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's totally true. I mean, like you just see it happen. And now video games, we have these school shootings again. It could be a combination of, uh, you know, uh, prescription medication with some mk ultra stuff going on where they find they can control your mind and they take these unstable people but man it looks a lot like when these kids are walking through these schools pegging off people it looks a lot like these video games there's so much violence i'll one up you on that i bet if you pulled up your tv guide right now and you looked at all the major networks and maybe included pbs or something like this i did this when i was writing an article about eight months ago i was like could I, if I wanted to, watch three consecutive hours a night every now, night during a week and every single hour would be something in which somebody got shot? And the answer was yes. So, you know, just by switching the channel, you know, just and that's just a bug the, like, I don't know, the big four and, you know, public broadcasting. You throw in a couple of war shows here or there, you know, documentaries. So we are a steep. We are a culture steeped in violence. So it doesn't make any sense to compare our numbers to other countries' numbers anyway on an overall homicide basis. We need to be patting ourselves on the back that our homicide rate right now is this low. It's less than half of what it was in the 90s, you know? We're doing a good job right now somehow. It is the least violent what, what time. What we did well and, and keep doing it is what we need to do. It is the least violent time 
in human history right now. It is the least. That's because everybody's time. at home listening to podcasts. That's what it is. Yeah, everybody. This podcast gets about seven billion listeners. Um, so I mean, it's the. I mean, and people in Yemen must be like, uh, "Excuse me, hold my beer, right?" <laughs> um, so I mean, that stuff is super tragic. Obviously, we're not trying to uh, diminish that at all. But if you watch the news, you would never know that we are living in such a peaceful time. And you know what, man. I stopped watching the news. I stopped. I I haven't watched Netflix in months. And I haven't been on in a while. And I went back to watch it. Everything is serial killer, murder, serial killer, murder, murder, the history of violence, murder, murder, murder. It's like, and you're like, whoa. And this is the new world order television because Netflix is everywhere. It's everything. And it's everything is murder. You know, we live in a society that gets so hurt by jokes. Jokes are meanies. <laughs> You're a meanie guy. Ever somebody told me go back where I came from. You know, I dude, I was doing a show. Some guy goes, "Why don't you come back? Go back to where you came from." I'm like, "Where my mom snatch? I can't fit anymore. Go fuck yourself." And then guess what I did? I went on with my life. Okay, I didn't cry in the corner as an adult woman. And then you got these people lying about this stuff. It's like, what kind of world do we live in? Where people are so desperate? I mean, like this is not like the second or third. I hate to say African-American that has faked some kind of hate crime just to get what you're talking about clicks. And it's like, this is the society we live in right now. Everybody just wants to be like, are you okay, boo? You okay? You get your own parade. Look at you. You're a good person, right? And that's just what we're going to. But it's like everything is propaganda right now. Violence, 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 man. You know, it's and I'm women, man. Emma, do you watch TV a lot? Yeah, I like TV. Do you like murder television? Not like like the cop type TV shows. Like no. making a murder or no, like all that stuff, yeah. like ID channel. Like they were on a honeymoon and then she died. Is that like your? No, your jam? I think I watched some of that stuff in high school just because it was like on cable. But no, I never seek that stuff out. You are a unicorn of vagina over there. I, know. I gotta be honest with you. The true you. crime thing doesn't doesn't quite do it for me. Women love murder, man. I don't yeah, know I what think it, I think it's because they're scared they're gonna get murdered and they'd like to know how it's gonna happen. Yeah, that's women, my theory. Women are always like, Can you walk me to your car? I'm like, We're in Burbank. What do you think's gonna happen? Well it's like most women will know this this trick the where you when you're walking by yourself at night you put your keys between your knuckles. Yeah. And most of the time when I say that, men are like, what are you talking about? Why would you do that? And I'm like, because if I punch you with a key between my knuckles, it hurts more. I don't know. It feels safer. Yeah. It doesn't do not anything at all. No, no it's, it's not. not it's not going to help, but it like makes you feel better. My about favorite walking thing in the dark. is like, will you walk me to my car? Like, why? What if somebody attacks? I'm just going to outrun you. What are we talking about right now? <laughs> what are we talking about right now? But it's this psychological and it's like a lot of stuff like when you watch the nightly news, which is uh, television is 100% geared towards women. Uh, it's psychological warfare uh, from, because, you know, there's a study that found that women make uh, 70% of the purchases. So they, they were just like, boom, we got to just cater to women. And just the fear factor of everything. Like, don't leave your house, okay? Islamic jihadist rapists are outside. They're under your bed. There's Nazis everywhere. This constant bombardment of fear. And then this constant bombardment of uh, equal pay. God, treat me right. It's like you're getting treated really well, well. There's a pivot here. There's a pivot here. And that's it. Like, okay, we don't need to be afraid to go outside on a general basis. Like maybe if you're, you know, South South Chicago, you ought to look out but um but in a um in a larger basis the thing that you know i don't fear that what i fear is you know i fear revolution and things like that because those things like look at syria and you know yemen and places like that those places are fucked and the question is could it happen here and you know so there's math for that too and i could walk you through it it's it's not that hard it's like high school math so um and you might like you might think this is cool because this is uh, i think it's cool i think it's cool. so uh so, so check it out. We since co since colonization has been about three hundred forty years since the colonies were colonized, right? And we've had two major nationwide violent revolutions against the ruling government since then, right? 
So that's like a six tenths of a percent chance per year. It's not very big, right? So you wouldn't think, oh no, I got to worry about that. But the problem is that compounds because you roll the dice every year, right? So it's so like, a, and this is how you do the math. So it's if it's a six tenths of a percent chance of happening, it's a ninety nine point four percent chance of it not happening. Right. But the chance of it not happening two years in a row is 99.4 squared, right, times itself. And the chance of it, like if you're going to live 78 years, which is average lifespan, you multiply that over and over and over, and it adds up to maybe a 63% chance of their revolution, which means there's a 30, 37% chance of a violent revolution happening in your lifetime. And that's just a historical frequency analysis. That doesn't include, like, you know, looking at the you know factors on the ground and stuff like that and you know, risk analysis professionals look out their window they don't look back at historical frequencies and a lot of those guys are putting us at around 30 percent chance in the next 10 years oh they think i was and, hearing a number that like they think that you know the yellow vest thing might happen in the united states by october like that something's going to spill over here that chaos is going to break out here because i just feel like we have a government that does not respond to what we what our wishes are. Uh, these endless wars, we don't want that anymore. We want our money to stay here, fix our roads, fix our schools, help our children. You know, we don't want to get into another war. And this war with Iran will be, like, different. than Like, we kind of went over some, like, bad neighborhoods in fucking, you know, the Middle East. They weren't really, like, set up to push back. Iran is completely different than that. They're ready. They have, well, not... Obviously, they're they, geared up. They, they yeah, hate their up. government, but they're like, we don't want to get bombed either. But we don't want that. And it's just like, the, you know, you know, we had the uh, the we had the war on uh, Bl- the Battle of Blair Mountain, man. The, like where we got where we got labor laws from by this pushback against these corporations and this government to treat us well. You know, the fact that they have to have false flags. I say this all the time. The fact that they have to have false flags. Let us know where the power lays. The fact that Facebook, uh, Facebook, Google, and Netflix are all losing money right now because people are banning them. They're not doing it anymore because they're over it. That lets you know where the power is. And the power is with the people. And we have to stop thinking that this, there's no end game here and that we're just fucked with these lizard people running everything. Do you think... Uh better screening or you know making people train for the gun for guns would be a better solution or any kind of solution um i wrote an article as a solutions article um i like the idea so when you bring up the idea of a license all the people who have guns the 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 gun you know rights crowd they freak out and the reason they freak out is you can kind of see it going on in New Zealand right now. It's like they have a registry, and the reason to have a registry is to use it to seize guns, right? Like that's the whole point of having a registry is to know who they are, where they are, so you can go get them. Um, so I don't like the idea of having a uh, to register your firearms, but I do like the idea of having to have proof that you are trained to be able to buy them. Yeah, like at least and, how to load one, and, how to clean one. And I one. like that for for several different reasons. And it, again, this is this is something that you know the the a lot of the Second Amendment people are not going to like me saying or whatever, but I, I'll stick to it. Um, when you buy a gun now, you have to go through a background check, and you uh, fill everything out, and they they send your information off to some computer in Washington D.C. and it checks to make sure that you're not a felon and that you're not a domestic abuser and you haven't and you're not a terrorist and you haven't done anything to get on their list, right? And then you buy the gun, right? It takes you some time and then you walk, you know, whatever. When you sell a gun peer-to-peer or you give a gun as a gift, you don't have access to that database as a citizen. And you kind of don't want to give the access to that database to every Tom, Dick, and Harry citizen because then they can, you know, they could potentially farm it for data or use it against people or whatnot. But if you had a um, just a safety license that you picked up, and at the end of your safety license, they just checked that once. And then you could show the safety license at the gun store. You could also show the safety license on a peer-to-peer sale. Like if I sell a gun to a friend, I can check his license. I can snap a picture of it with my cell phone. That's my record that I checked it and that I'm not, you know, uh, it's not a straw purchase situation, right? And um, so that's one of the reasons I really like it is it kind of in a way 
that would plug the quote gun show loophole end quote which isn't really a loophole i mean like the gun show if you go to a gun show and you buy a gun you still have to go get your background check the the loophole quote unquote thing was people who are buying guns at gun shows going to the parking lot to sell them it's the same kind of thing as like buying beer at a liquor store and selling it to teenagers you know (laughs) um but uh but I like that idea. I like the idea of a safety license. And I think you could even potentially get the NRA on board with that if you said, all right, NRA, you get to teach a safety class. Right? You know. Yeah. Um, More money. And, and and there's some other things that, I, that are screwed up with the laws that they could probably undo that are dumb. Like, you know, the law against short barrel rifles, reclassifying them. So you have to take a year background check to be able to buy one of those is silly because the ATF can't figure out what the difference between a short barrel rifle and a pistol is. The pistol's a rifled barrel that shoots a bullet, just like a rifle is, and the trick can't figure it out. So they've, they've decided that anytime you take the stock off a gun and the barrel, then it becomes a pistol instead of a rifle. And then everybody argues about what counts as a stock. It's all very confusing and stupid. Um, but they could clean a lot of that up too. Um, I'm not opposed to like changes in gun laws. They just need to be made sensibly, and they need to be done with a with efficacy involved. Right. What do you, what do you think about thinking uh, about what is are you going to is this law going to be effective at anything or is it just going to be a, a way to attack gun owners because they're in the red tribe and you're in the brew tribe and fuck those guys. Right. That's a lot of the, a lot of it is just boils down to that. Do you um, what is an uh, do you think the the term assault rifle is vague for a reason? Um, you know. All the assault rifles bans are basically just bans on cosmetics, right? Um, you know, like if you got an AR-15 and I've got a M1 Garand and you shoot me with one bullet and I shoot you with one bullet, you're more fucked than I am. And that M1 Garand's got a big old wooden stock on it and it's got and it's semi-automatic and fit eight bullets in there, but they're 30-06 bullets, right? There's stories from World War II of, you know, a single shot going through three Japanese troops in a row out of one of those things. So they were like on a bullet per bullet basis, way more deadly. Um, but they were never banned. Why? You know, it doesn't make any sense. The, the, the listing of assault rifle characteristics that they decided to ban was they were banning rifles that looked a certain way because the look scared them. And they wanted to show their constituency that they had done something. It didn't actually change anything. Like at Columbine, the um, the rifle the guy used in Columbine was legal under the assault weapons ban. And then the shotgun that they used was sawed off, but it was sawed off illegally. So what good did it do you? Nothing. And then the other thing, the thing that drives me even more nuts about it is that the major drive to ban rifles now is because the, of this sort of false thought that rifles are better at mass shootings than pistols are. And that's just false because most of these mass shootings that you see, I mean, the guys are, they're picking an AR-15 rifle because it looks cool and they've seen it on TV or movies or whatnot. They're not really thinking through like they, those, all those mass shootings basically end when the guy runs out of bullets in his backpack. If he cared about killing people, he'd pick a gun that you could fit more bullets in his backpack. So, you know, that, so that stuff is not only if they were to somehow magically evaporate all the AR-15 rifles in the country, which they can't do, and it's impossible, but let's pretend they did, then the mass shooters would just be funneled into using a, a, a what amounts to be a better gun for their, for their task. You know, there's no guy who's sitting in his basement playing Xbox going, you know, I'd love to shoot up a school today, but I don't have an AR-15. All I got is Glock 19. Nobody's saying that. All they're going to do is pick a different gun. Yep. They're going to pick the gun they have access to. It makes no sense. Do you think that we should um, give teachers guns? Ooh. Um, hmm. That's a tough one. I don't. I would be okay. So I'm a parent, um, and I'm a parent in a red state, right? You know, so we're more gun positive in this area of the country. Um, I would be okay knowing that there was say an AR-15 in a safe in the principal's office and that all the football coaches had to had the combination to it, right? If you had that and then everybody knew that it was there, the mass shooter never goes to that school in the first place. Now, he might go to a movie theater or something instead, but he won't go to that school because these guys never want to get into a gunfight. 
I mean, when's the last time one of these mass shooting incidents ended in a gunfight? Vegas didn't even end in a gunfight. Right? Yeah. None of them end in gunfights. They all end where the, the mass shooter does whatever kind of crazy BS he's doing, and then he shoots himself, or he gives up and gets caught. Right? You for know. sure. For sure. So, Do you think they would make the... Uh... I mean, they're making teachers pay for their school supplies. Would they make the teachers pay for their own bullets, too? <laughs> well, hopefully you don't have to buy them new bullets every year. You know, I mean, that's <laughs> it's like the PTA's buying them, right? It's just ridiculous, dude. Talk to me about the dark web, man. Is some crazy shit going on with the dark? I love the dark web. I went to the dark web. It just, it looks like, you know, like Craigslist on Windows 95. I thought I was going to be... Nicholas Cage and eight millimeter yelling, where's the snuff film? But nope, it was like, <laughs> who wants some Jordans for super cheap? Like, what do you think is going on with the dark web? Got me, dude. I don't know anything about it. I'm not getting near it because I'm afraid I'll have to buy another computer for catching a virus, you know? <laughs> um, like, I I pay some attention to this sort of, I guess, intellectual dark web guys. The guys are all like, you know, on Rogan once a month or whatever. I, I follow those dudes and, and you know. They're fun to listen to. I think they're missing the boat on some stuff, but they're not talking about guns at all, so they don't even fit into the show. Well, have you heard of uh, 3D Ghost Guns? Oh, yeah. So that's a... I think it was... Defense Distributed was the name of the outfit, and I can't remember the guy's name. Um, Corey something, maybe? I could be wrong. I'm probably... I feel like an idiot for not remembering. You are not um, an idiot. Everybody was freaking out about those and and they were it, the freak out was dumb because what he was he had plans to build a plastic gun and the gun had no barrel and you could put one round in it and you could and you had to still had to have like a spring or something you could cock a hammer back and you could shoot that one round out and since there was no barrel there was no accuracy it's gonna fly out the side of the gun or something stupid and you could at best probably shoot two or three there was no magazine you had to reload every bullet by hand we should hope and pray that every criminal in the country decides to start using 3D printed guns. <laughs> I would rather have a knife than a 3D printed gun. Yeah, I mean it's just it, you know, a knife beats a 3D printed gun in a gun in a in a knife in a gunfight. <laughs> I mean, uh, I wanted to uh, talk to you about. Let's just go down this this imaginary trail where the government does seize guns. Right? Let's just say it happens. Like, there is a history in human history of what happens when a government steals, uh, when a government takes away a, a, a population's ability to own guns. Okay? We've seen it happen over and over again. We've seen it happen in uh, Turkey. Turkey in 1911 established gun control from 1915-1917. 1. 1.5 Christian Armenians were rounded up and exterminated. Okay, I mean, we could go in 1929, the Soviet Union established a t gun control from 1929 to to 1953. 20 million dissidents were rounded up and murdered. Okay, I mean, we see it over and over here, over and over and over again. China did the exact same thing. Uh, in 1938, Germany established gun control from 1939 to 1945. 30 million Jews and others were rounded up and exterminated. You know? I mean, we see it over in China in 1935, established gun control. And from 1948 to 1952, 20 million political dissidents were rounded up and exterminated. These rules were based on Article 88. 186-7 Penal Code Article 9 Security Law. In Cambodia, 1953, established gun control. And from 1975 to 1977, 1 million educated people were rounded up and exterminated. French colonial times, a series of 1956 laws. Article 3222A of the Penal Code required licensed gun owners. I mean, like, you just keep going on. 1964, Guatemala established gun control. And from 1981 to 1984, 100,000 Mayan Indians were rounded up and exterminated. In 1970, Uganda established gun control. And from 1971 to 1979, 300,000 Christians were rounded up and exterminated. 
and I could just keep going and going. There's one you missed. There's a really important one you missed, and that is somewhere around 1774 or 5, the colonial governors were trying to round up guns here. And that's where we get our Bill of Rights from. Our Bill of Rights is basically a list of the top ten things the the British did that we hated the most, and we made all of those things illegal, right? You know, your right to assemble, and, you know, why do we have an entire amendment dedicated to make sure that, like, the government can never quarter troops in our houses, right? That's because it was, you know, because the British were doing it. So when when that happened here, we shot them and sent them home. That's what we did. And— the um, so like you know what would happen here? I don't think that you could get to a point where the army was because who's going to round the guns up? It's probably not the police. You're going to have to get the army to do it, and the army might say no. This is something that people don't think about, particularly like you know like sort of like your blue tribers on Twitter. They're like, yes, we're coming for your guns. Are like we who? Who's coming for the guns? Are you going to tell? Let's pretend for a moment that um, you know the the anti gun lobby gets a complete nut hole in the federal government and then what are, are they going to tell the army to come pick up the guns do you know who's an army like gun enthusiasts right and what are they going to do like they're going to say no and then their captain is going to be like he's going to know that they're going to say no so he's going to think about saying no and the colonel is going to know you know that his subordinates might say no and so then he's going to think about saying no and it runs all the way up the chain of command right to the point where who's going to do it? You can't collect guns with a predator drone, <laughs> right? So what would happen probably is that if the blue tribe were to focus on guns so badly that they tried to take all the guns away, that there would be a coup and then the red tribe still wins, right? Yeah, for sure. So so that, you know, I don't see the idea of like rampant nationwide gun seizures happening here no matter what. And we can talk about it, um, but there's too many guns to collect, and you'd need the army to do it, and the army's going to choose not to. There's something that's really fundamental about this is that all of our sort of Western democracies that we like kind of all around the world, any of them that have reasonably large militaries function basically at the behest of their military, right? You know, the military says yes or no, sir, as long as they're not being asked to do something that's really bad for them. And, um, you know, I, I don't see any scenario in which the guns would get ratted up here Well, I, because I, of her history. And, and also because and there's another important thing, about, uh, your, your laundry list of folks that, of, of countries that you talked about enacting gun control in almost every scenario, I didn't vet all of them, but I was thinking about a lot of them as you went through them. In almost every one, the Army pledged loyalty to the government. And in ours, the Army pledges loyalty to a piece of paper that's got a bunch of rules on it. And one of the rules is can't take the guns away. I hope you're right, right, man. I hope you're right. I mean, because when the uh, authoritarian government comes to crack skulls, it is always the cops and the military that comes to crack the skulls. I, I don't know if it's because they think it's, there's a check, but it's like, it's your brothers, it's your sisters, it's your aunts, your uncles, your fathers, your sons and your daughters that are, and your mothers that you're cracking skulls. I mean, and like, I'm not not saying the military would never crack skulls here. I'm saying uh, I could imagine 10 different reasons why the military might start cracking skulls. Um, I like, I don't know if Antifa got way out of control. Like, I think the military would happily crack some skulls if they were so asked and the scenario was such. But I don't think that a military is ever going to crack skulls to seize all the gun because they're going to be knocking on their, like, retired friend's door to do that, right? You know, are are people going to get called up from the National Guard who've been discharged for eight years and have their gun collection in their basement and they're going to happily help everybody else seize guns? I mean, I don't see it happening. I hope not. Um, I mean, I mean, I could see lots of other horrible stuff happening. Like I say, I think that um, going back to the whole sort of, you know, the media engine of chaos where you're required to try and generate as much traffic as you can. The most traffic you can get nowadays is from something that goes viral. When it goes viral, it's because everybody's arguing about it on Facebook. And the way to generate the most arguments is to pick a statement that is 
that 50% of the people love and 50% of the people hate. And the closest you can get to that boundary, the more viral it will go and the more freak outery you can generate, right? And the media has figured out that's the best way to make money. And the longer they do that, the further they push us into echo chambers and isolation and, um, you know, uh, sort of this house divided situation that we got now. I read a book recently that was really interesting. And one of the things that it said was, um, they did some polling and they said that right now, um, Democrats and Republicans would be more angry at their children marrying from the other party than white folks and black folks would have been in the 1950s marrying interracially, statistically speaking. Jeez. Our political partisanship right now is worse, statistically speaking, than 1950s racism. Well, I, and I, I that's only going to go worse as they keep driving this thing. And I think that might drive us to everybody shooting each other. That's like not a bad reason to own a gun, in my opinion, just well, to make sure that, you know, somebody was banging on your door. You know? I would tell you to really take a look at the DNC. I'm a liberal, but I think di the DNC has been hijacked by rich kids who talk about how they, we want to get rid of guns, yet they have uh, bodyguards with guns who are, uh, and they live behind, uh, you know, private communities and walls. So, you know, they don't talk the talk at all. And they constantly get caught with the hypocrisy. But, you know, if you read Ted Kaczynski's, you know, his, um, his book, he basically brought it up, man. He's like, dude, the left is going to get hijacked by rich kids who are just going to drive it into the ground. And, you know, there's a movement right now to kill off liberalism in this country by, uh, by, um, putting crazy people up on pedestals saying dumb fucking shit. I mean, if you look at Israel, where's the liberal party? It got killed off a long time ago. Got killed off a long time ago. It's not that far here. And dude, that's what they're doing right now. Nancy Pelosi is retarded. <laughs> AOC retarded. Okay, and I'm telling you something. You heard it right here. There will be a home porno of AOC. A, I'm telling you, of AOC coming out. And they're going to use that porno to have people go, oh my God, poor girl. And they're going to try to catapult her even bigger. I'm telling you, I've heard the whispers oh. on it that it's out there. And they're going to drop that thing to try to get sympathy votes for her. She is an agent of chaos. That, or it's going to be a There will at video. least be a deep fake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that deep fake yeah. is for yeah. the Hillary Clinton snuff film. That's but let's not stop at the fact that 9-11 was perpetrated by neocons on the right. And we're so lost on these Hillary Clinton shit. It's not right. It's not left. It's power. It's lizard people. It's satanic Satanists. And they're the trouble. R's and D's are just masks that they wear to get us to fight with each other. BJ, can you tell them all where they can find you again? Um, I have a medium publication. I'm hand waving freakattery on medium.com. I've also got a mirror of that where I archive stuff in case they ever decided to platform me, which is just freakattery. Uh, I think it's freakattery.org or .com, one of the two. .com. And um, and I uh, and I post stuff there, and um, it's, it's basically just a hobby. But you know, it uh, it allays some of my fears to at least be able to put the numbers out there in a format that people can read them. You know. Well, uh, you are wonderful. I appreciate you coming on. If you ever have any projects you want to push, please come on again. Uh, give it up for BJ Campbell. Thank you so much for Ooh. coming on. This is a great episode. It's an important episode. And I appreciate you, everybody who listened. I hope you enjoyed it. I look forward to the comment section. Uh, thank you two guys very much, Emma and XG. And we'll do it again soon. Take care, everybody. Thanks. Had fun. <laughs>